This is David Wilson, and welcome to episode 49 of On Another Track. Welcome to On Another Track with me, David Wilson, exploring people and places from around the world. A podcast series that takes you where you've never been, and probably where you never want to go. On Another Track is talking to people we can't meet with face-to-face, We use remote video technology and software to see what they have to say. No, it's been wonderful because I know we've talked over many, many weeks because you've been a great support to me over the many, many months of doing my podcast. And I have to say, you've been absolutely invaluable. It was fun. I mean, enjoy the ride because you never know where it's going to take you and where it's going to turn. You might start out an architect and end up interviewing Lady Gaga. Who knows? That's the voice this week of my guest, Eric Johnson. He's a podcast talent coach. I first came across Eric when I went to a meetup event hosted by the BC chapter. To say he impressed me off the bat was an understatement. Eric understands completely what it's like to be a podcaster just starting off in the world of podcasting. What he brings to the table is pragmatic approach to monetizing and getting your podcast out there, but more importantly, growing your audience. With 30 years' experience in the broadcast industry, Eric knows what it's like to take those baby steps and turn them into giant leaps. If you want someone to get you on the right track, Eric is the man to go to. My first question for Eric was, if somebody first met you in the street, how would you describe what you do? I do so many different things. My primary love is uh, helping information experts, those who have something to teach the world, use their podcast to attract their ideal clients and customers, to turn their listeners into buyers using that podcast. And we do that by transforming their information, what they teach, into engaging entertainment to get their listeners to take that next step with them. And that's a fantastic summing up, but let's break that down into its component pieces because, you know, a lot of people are very interested in starting their own podcast, but the logistics can be very overwhelming. So if somebody was thinking about it, they really haven't got underway. They haven't even recorded their voice. They don't even know what they sound like. (laughs) What are the first few steps that you would take, do you think, in terms of recommending them to just get the wheels turning? Yeah, that's that's a, a great perspective because people come to me for coaching Uh, at so many different stages of podcasting. Some people say, I have a coaching business, but I'd love to start a podcast, don't know where to start. Others say, I don't have anything. I just have a great idea and I love to talk about my favorite subject. I want to start a podcast and let that lead to a business. Others come to me and say, I have the podcast. I just don't know what to sell. And so I take all of those and kind of help them streamline their process. So if you are in the camp where I have no podcast, what do I do? Uh, The first thing is to understand what a podcast is. Podcast is simply you recording audio into an MP3. So if you're listening to music on your iPhone or something like that, you just need that, that file that you can then upload. What makes it a podcast is that people can subscribe to it through an RSS feed. Real simple syndication. So it comes from blogging. People used to subscribe to a blog, and when the blog was updated, you'd get notified. Well, the same thing happens with a podcast. When you upload your podcast, every time it's updated, if somebody's subscribed, they get notified. So where do I start? First thing you need to do is decide what you're going to talk about. 
And it's got to be something that you love, something that you can talk about for hours on end. If it is a subject that occupies a lot of your conversations, when you go to the bar after work and hang out with your buds, if you find out that you're usually going to that subject and talk about it, if you're reading a lot of magazines or you get sucked down the YouTube rabbit hole because you're looking for that information, that's probably a good sign. That's a good topic for your podcast because you love to talk about it. So that's the first place to start. Let's pick a, uh, a topic that you know you love to talk about it. And maybe you say, well, you know, I kind of like hockey, but should I start a podcast about it? What I recommend you do then is grab just a piece of paper and a pen and write down every possible topic that you could think of that you could talk about on your podcast. So if you were going to talk about hockey, what could you talk about? You know, is it going to be pro hockey? Is it going to be amateur hockey? Is it going to be coaching hockey, playing hockey? What is your niche going to be? And then start writing down topics. And if you can come up with 40 or 50 different things to talk about, in about 10 minutes, then you know you're on the right track. Oh, I totally agree with that. If you struggle to come up with like 20, it's probably not the topic for you. You know, that's that's really great advice. I love that, you know, because the writing down is really kind of solidifying it a little bit, isn't it? It's actually saying this is real. You know, this the, if I'm going to do this, I have to have a plan of some sort, don't I? Yeah, you because you think, oh, you know what? I love business. All right, what are the topics you're going to talk about? Well, like starting a business and... Like running a business. And, well, okay, we're probably going down the wrong path then if you don't have anything to talk about. But if you go, oh, yeah, I could talk about this, that, and the other thing. You know, it's like um, I love to coach ice hockey. And so if I were to start up a hockey podcast about coaching, I could talk about um, practice plans. I could talk about actual drills. I could talk about uh, bench management. I could talk about hydration and preparation. I could talk about coaching eight-year-olds compared to coaching high school kids, compared to coaching college kids, um, how to develop for growth. How do you uh, coach skills compared to game management, tactics rather than than drills? Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things we could talk about. And I could just rattle those off. And in a matter of five minutes, I'd have 50 topics. And I know I could create a podcast for it. I want to maybe go into the kind of intricacies of actually doing the podcast, the mechanics of it in a moment. But I want to pick up on what something you just said there, which is really, really Pretty good. Going down the rabbit hole of YouTube, right? Now, here's the thing, and I get this question a lot as well in my podcast is, do you do a podcast or do you do YouTube? Because there's always pressure to sort of, you know, make millions of dollars. I mean, this is the, the kind of the holy grail, isn't it? You know, <laughs> right, absolutely. Right, right. You know, um, but we know in reality it is much tougher than we really think. But, you know, there's there's two lines of thought here, isn't there? They, they, they go down the YouTube channel because that's accessible and YouTube have made it very easy to start to post videos. Or do you say, no, wait a minute, I'm going to be a bit of a purist here I, because I like to tell stories or I, I, I'm passionate about something. You go down that podcast channel, which is not, I would say, as accessible on the front face, is it, as YouTube? Would that would that be right? So a lot of people ask me this question, you know, uh, there are three ways you can share your content online. You can do it through text. You can write a blog. You can record it in audio and create a podcast, or you can create a video and and have a YouTube channel. There are pluses and minuses to all of them. Obviously, I love podcasting and I would lead you down that path for specific reasons. Video is great because you have that visual. Um, YouTube is great just because of the, the search 
power that comes with it. You know, Google and, and YouTube is the the second largest search engine in the world. People go there to find things. So you benefit from video in just different ways. There's visual there. So there's there's that benefit. The benefit to podcasting, though, it's so much more portable than video. And when I tell people that, they go, well, I can take my video. I can watch video wherever on my phone. I go, yeah, but try doing that while you're in the shower. Oh, exactly. Try watching that video while you're uh, driving a bus. Try watching that video while you're riding your bike. <laughs> try try watching that video, you know, while you're uh, mowing the yard. Well, you can do all of those things and listen to your podcast. So people can exercise, work out, ride their bike, mow their yard, drive their car. They can do all of these other activities while listening to your podcast. And that's why what I mean by the benefit of it being portable. So there's that. The numbers are in your favor. Right now, there's about 600 million blogs out there that you could go read. But now let's be real. When was the last time you subscribed to a blog? It's, pr- it's probably been a while. I couldn't remember the last time neither. Yeah. YouTube channels. Now, you've seen the stats on YouTube of how many videos are posted every hour. It's it's crazy. But let's just talk about YouTube channels. Like the number of YouTube channels that you can go and subscribe to. I can go click the subscribe button. Right now, there's about 37 million channels. Not producers, not videos. Channels you can click subscribe on. 37 million. There's only about 2 million podcasts. Incredible. And of those 2 million podcasts, only about a million of them are actively being published. So do you want, do you want to try and get noticed and become one out of 37 million? Or do you want to be one in 1 million? Where do you want to try and compete? And, and do you really want to go through all the tech issues that come with video? You got to get your hair done. You got to look good. You got to get the lighting right. I mean, even if you're grabbing your phone and you're going out and, you know, you're doing it like all the kids do now, right? You just, oh, you be real and just shoot it. You still got to be passable, right? Especially if you're trying to do business through YouTube. And so the numbers are growing. Right now, they're predicting that podcast listening 90 million people just in the United States listen to a podcast every week. 90 million people listen to it on a weekly basis. And they predict podcast listening to double worldwide in the next five years. It's growing at about 20% a year in growth listening to podcasts. So it's young, it's fresh, it's growing, it's portable. People can take it with them and there aren't the headaches that come along with video. So podcasting just gives you so many more benefits than video. Now, if you have the time, what I recommend you do is create a video for YouTube, then take that audio and turn that into your podcast. So you repurpose it. You're you're both places at the same time without doubling your work. That that makes sense. I mean, absolutely, because we're recording on Zoom and we can quite easily take the Zoom feed. We can take the audio off the back of it and we can edit in a video editor and and, and make it look fairly presentable. The lovely thing about video, of course, is that you can get away with a lot more of a video because the gestures are there. You know, when you make a pause, people can see that pause and you're thinking. Whereas in a podcast, it can be a little bit more kind of a bit more difficult to feel that because you you have to feel it with a podcast. So sometimes you have to look at really trying to edit things and that can be quite a challenge for some people. So let's take the mechanics of a podcast next. Is that fair to say if we can go down that route? Yeah. Uh, one quick note to that though. Um, yeah. F- the way that you benefit with video by seeing those visuals is also the way you benefit with audio by not seeing those visuals. Because in storytelling... 
Um, if you and I see a red 1967 Ford Mustang parked out in front of a casino on a video, you and I see the exact same thing. We see the exact same image, but if I'm telling you a story about that 1967 red Mustang parked out front of that casino, you see it in your mind in a way that's perfect for you, and I see it in my mind the way that it's perfect for me. You know, envision that Mustang sitting right there outside of that casino. Is it daytime or nighttime? Is there anybody in the car? Is it a convertible or a hardtop? Is it running or parked? Are there any other cars around? Are there any other people around? Like all of those things are left to your imagination. Those, those details come to life in the theater of the mind, where if you and I see it on video, we see the exact same thing. There's nothing left to the imagination. I love that. I mean, that was something I never considered, even though I've run a podcast for over a year, that, that, that can, the, the story, it's effectively the story, because we as human beings are storytellers. And we adapt to that storytelling technique very, very easily because that's what we got told when we were kids. We learned about stories when we were at school. So it's really part of our psyche, but it's very, very powerful, isn't it? And it can create lots of emotions, can't it? We've learned through stories since the dawn of time and storytelling on your podcast is so powerful. When people come to me to use their podcast to grow their business, people do business with those they know, like, and trust. Like, if I trust you, I know who you are, I like you as a person, I trust you, I'm ready to do business with you. There's no more powerful way to get to know somebody than through the stories that they tell. If you think of your best friend, you know everything about your best friend, not because you were there every step of the way, but because they told you about every step of the way. They told you their whole life. They told you everything. And that's how you get to know them. That's how powerful friendships are built. That's how those powerful relationships are built. And when you tell those personal stories on your podcast and you let your audience and your listener get to know who you are, what you value and what you believe in, that's how they decide whether or not they like you and trust you and whether or not they want to do business with you. So I'm going to drill down now. I want to, I want to know the mechanics because, you see, when I come across people that want to start a podcast in my business, they say, I'd love to start a podcast, but, you know, they're overwhelmed by the whole magnitude of what's involved. But, but really, honestly and truthfully, it's not really about the mechanics, is it? It's about the storytelling and really, there's different ways. I mean, we've got the thing that's, I'm going to hold my phone up now. We've got this thing in our pocket, which really could get you started on podcasting, couldn't it? Absolutely. You just need something to record on. Um, there are really three big challenges when it comes to starting your podcast that hold so many people back. And that first challenge is the tech. They just get so overwhelmed, like, oh, it's, I don't know how to, how do I record and how do I do all of that? It is a lot easier than you realize. You you don't need a lot of big technical equipment. You don't need a mixing board and a $400 microphone and a studio and all of that. You just, you really need three pieces of equipment. You need a, a USB microphone. So it's a microphone that will plug right into the USB port of your computer. And you can buy a nice like a Samsung uh, not Samsung with a G, Samson, like Samson and Delilah. So a Samson Q2U, 2QU. I think you've got it right, 2QU, yeah. Uh, it's about $60, $70 US. We'll put the links at the end for the equipment, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. That's just one of them. But if you buy a nice mic like that for $60 or $70, that'll plug right into your computer. So you need a computer, uh, and, and chances are you probably have one of those. And then you need some headphones so you can hear what's going on. And you probably have those that came with your phone when you bought it. 
So you have two of the three pieces already. You're ready to roll. And you can record your interview on Zoom if you're doing an interview podcast. There's free software like Audacity that you can go download for free and use that. I prefer Hindenburg Journalist. You can buy that for like $100, $95. And it's super easy to use. And they're like, oh, editing. I can't figure out editing, right? It's more tech. If you can edit a Word document, highlight, you know, cut, paste, edit, delete, you can edit audio. It's the same thing. It's all the same commands. You highlight it, you cut it, edit it, drag it, delete it, whatever you want to do. Same thing you do in a Word document, you do in your edit. And then you export it as an MP3. And that sounds, ooh, that sounds real technical. But if you can save a Word document as a PDF or uh, something like that, you can export audio as an MP3. It's the same thing. You hit file, export, MP3, and you're done. It's that easy. And then you just upload it to your audio host. An audio host, a lot of people get, well, do I have to give it to Apple and then I have to give it to Spotify and I have to give it to iHeartRadio and I have to give it to Stitcher? You don't have to do that. What you do is you get an audio host. An audio host is like a storage unit where you put all your audio. It's like it's like the storage unit where you keep all your junk. You put all your audio in your audio host, in your storage unit, and then you go give Apple and Spotify and all of the rest your address to your storage unit. You say, hey, this is where I keep all of my episodes. And then every time you put a new episode into your storage unit, Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and all the rest of them, they're pinging your storage unit. And they go, oh, hey, there's a new one. And they grab it and they suck it in. So you only have to give them your address once. And then you just keep uploading stuff into your audio host and your podcast because of that magical RSS feed automatically gets uploaded to their phone. So the tech really isn't that hard. You record it, you export it, you upload it. And if you can upload a picture to Facebook, you can upload audio to your audio host. It's Tech is not that easy. Don't let tech overwhelm you. You did say something really interesting, and I wanted to pick up on that, is the kind of the format of the show. Now, you said that, you know, you can use Zoom if you're doing an interview technique, which I tend to use, and I find Zoom really easy, really convenient. Uh, you know, it's not the best audio quality in the world, but it's, it's good enough. It gets the message across. It gets the story across, and people find it really easy to use. But really, how would people tackle the type of show that they want to do? Maybe they've got the subject, for instance, uh, hockey, that was a great example. You're passionate about that, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. Now, what's, right. The, what's the kind of difference between the two types of show? Because you've had 30 years experience in radio. And the thing about it is, you know how you can do like a soul type of radio, which is, you know, like a, an individual thing talking about a particular subject. You know, that you can run out of steam pretty quick on that sort of stuff if you don't have your subjects all lined up. Yeah. But then you flip the coin, of course. And I, I love doing this because I like interviewing people and finding out about people. But what's the different processes there? And what should people think? think about when they're planning a show, like either one type of show. David, it's interesting that you bring this question up next because the second challenge that most people face when it comes to launching a podcast is that they don't have a strategy. They don't know why they're launching their podcast and what they want to do with the podcast. So before you just determine what kind of podcast you're going to launch and and what that structure is going to look like, we need to decide what you're going to do with your podcast. So if you are a coach uh, and you, you coach entrepreneurs, you want to lead your listeners to a strategy call with you, then we need to figure out how to demonstrate your authority and your expertise on your show that will lead them to that strategy call. So there may be a, a portion of the show where it's just you teaching. 
if you're a comedian and you want people to come out and see your show, maybe you do a co-hosted show. Maybe it's you and a couple other people and you sit around and just crack jokes and have fun and then promote the fact that you have a a comedy show down at the club coming up on Saturday night or you're touring the Midwest or whatever it happens to be. So there are a variety of ways you can create your show. It can be a solo show. It can be a co-hosted show. You can do an interview style show like this. Um, You can build your podcast talking about your favorite subject and then build it around affiliate relationships where you can interview people who are selling their products or services or courses or things. And then you can get an affiliate commission if people buy that through your podcast. Then there's other ways that you can do like a magazine style show where you're doing news to longer form news stories with actualities and audio sprinkled in. Those are very difficult to do. National Public Radio kind of does those because they have a slew of producers. You know, there'll be seven producers working on a, a podcast episode for a week to turn it out. And they're all working 40 hours a week. I'm guessing you probably don't have that kind of time. So that's probably not an option for you. But the interview style is the most frequent. It's just, we need to figure out how to create those interviews in a way that drives people to that next step with you. What are you trying to accomplish with your podcast? And you have to build that strategy. And a lot of people struggle with that. Studies show that most podcasts fade away at about seven episodes. People give up. Ah, forget it. I'm done. And the reason they go away is that lack of strategy. They, their audience isn't growing as fast as they hoped it would. They're not making as much money as they hoped they would. And it's a lot more work than they thought it would be because they didn't go back to step number one and make sure that it was a topic that they love and they could come up with 50 different topics to talk about on their show. So strategy is so critical if you want to succeed in podcasting. And this is really brings us very nicely to a segue between what you do as a coach, as a, you know, the podcast talent coach and how you can create and help people create that strategy. And also if they want to, you know, we're not saying that you should be making money out of a podcast, but if you want to make money out of it and you want to make a living, then you really have to put some of this infrastructure in place, don't you? That's so, so important. How can you help the listeners if somebody's thinking about a podcast? How could you maybe help them, you know, grease the rails there and get on that bandwagon so that they are getting the right direction? (laughs) Excuse the pun, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's interesting that um, there are are people who uh, create their podcast and they don't have any intention of making money. And, and that's perfectly fine. Hobbyist podcasters are all over. Uh, but you need to realize that you really need to have a strong why behind your podcast if you're going to just do it as a hobby and not make money. Because creating a podcast every week is work. Like it takes time to go in and set up the studio and be diligent about it. It's like going to the gym, right? There's results there, but it takes some work to, to see those results. And you need to be realistic with that. And you still need to have a strategy to build your audience so you feel that fulfillment and you feel that what you're doing is worthwhile and you're making an impact and leaving your mark on the world. Even if it's a hobby, you have to have a strategy built in there. So if you want to get started, it's it's super easy. So with Podcast Talent Coach, I've been in radio for 30 years I fell into radio completely by accident. I actually, uh, I was going to school to get my architecture degree, which I eventually received. And I had wanted to be an architect since I was, I don't know, 12, 11, like for the longest time. I loved to draw. And so being an architect was my thing. And that's what I was going to do. 
I was about three years into architecture school and my brother worked at a radio station and I was a broke college kid and needed some extra help, needed some extra work. And so I took a, a job running the board at the radio station with him and uh, really started enjoying it. And I started falling out of love with architecture because architecture started moving from uh, pencil and paper to AutoCAD to computerized. And it lost that it lost that romance for me. And it, it just wasn't there. And people say, architecture to radio, how do you make that connection? But both architecture and radio require you to be analytical and creative at the same time. You have to be able to understand data and create art from that data. And so I finished my architecture degree and I stayed in radio for 30 years and I coached a lot of radio talent and created a, a lot of successful radio stations and uh, had the most listened to radio show in town for for a decade. It was uh, it was a great run. And I started listening to podcasts around 2010, 9, 10, somewhere in there. And uh, I loved it because it was like the old west of radio, right? It was like you get on there and do whatever you want, talk about whatever you want. It it was it was fantastic. And uh, but as I listened, I thought, man, if these guys knew just a little bit of what we learned in radio about creating great content and attracting your audience and engaging your audience and just the basics. Uh, their shows could be so much more powerful and so much stronger and they could make that connection with their audience. So in 2013, I started coaching podcasters. I started teaching them how to take their content and turn it into creative entertainment. And I've loved it ever since. It's been a blast. And I've been coaching podcasters. People get their podcast up and running and they go, okay, now what do I do? And then that's kind of where I come in and I kind of, okay, here, let's let's kind of create a strategy around it and, and make it go. So if you don't have a podcast and you want to launch one, I just did a webinar here about uh, a week ago that'll show you how to launch a podcast in 30 days. Launching the podcast isn't the hard part. It's creating the great content and making that connection with your audience so you're not talking to nine listeners every week. But I can teach you how to launch that podcast in uh, in 30 days. It's, it's just a matter of creating that strategy that will help you produce fantastic content week after week. And we just get it up and running, get all the nuts and bolts and put it together. And then... Uh, then I'll just help you play with it after that. Like, let's let's go have some fun with it. You know what's incredible? And it's so funny how we got thrown together because I, I remember seeing you on Meetup. I think that's where I first came across you way back in the summer of 2021. Oh, yeah. With Roger Killen. That's right. Roger Killen, who was based in uh, British Columbia here in Canada. He is, yeah. And it was incredible. Roger's got this laid back approach to things. He brings great people together. And, you know, he has an amazing audience as well. And he runs really, really great practical courses every week. And that's where I got to discover you. And of course, I have a background in radio. And it's funny how our both our careers are very similar in many ways. I went into architecture and design, you know, that's where I started. <laughs> but I'd started in a hospital radio station way back in the UK, you know, and it was great. It was funny how we paralleled. You had 30 years, I had 15 years, you know, but the great thing about it was, is that you took it to the next level. That's where I connected with you, is I got what you were saying. I'd already launched the podcast, I had the technical ability, I'd already got the, you know, I have no problem getting guests, but you were right. It was that marrying up of, right, now, how do you make this work? How do you get some value? Even if it isn't monetary, how do you feel as if you're doing a good job? You know, that, getting that feedback from your audience and broadcasting to seven people a week, it, it's kind of discouraging. But the realities are, if you can get them up to, I don't know, 27 people or 37 people, you're doing pretty good, aren't you? 
yeah, if you have more than just your mom listening, you're you're on you're on a roll. And a lot of people come in and they want to create this podcast that has thousands and thousands of listeners, but that's not what podcasting is about. That's broadcasting. If you want thousands of listeners, you need to be on the radio and you need to uh, create content for a broad audience. That's what broadcasting is. Podcasting is very niche. It's very, uh, very specialized for a certain individual. That's why there's podcasts out there about quilting or podcasts about, you know, monopoly. Like you, you can find podcasts about anything, but it's a small audience, much smaller than the radio, but they're passionate. They love what you talk about and they, they will do anything and they consume everything you create. The average podcast the, if you if you stack the podcasts up, smallest to largest in number of listeners, the one right in the middle, the median number is about 160 downloads, 160 listeners an episode. That, it's not very big compared to radio. No, it's not. No. But they're passionate. They love what you do. And that's that's the deal. It's a, a powerful relationship. And, and the other word I would add to that is intimate as well, because it's very personal. Oh, yes. Very personal. And that's what I love about it. And I love the, the fact that you can, you can actually go a bit more searching on your questions when you get guests on because it's like a fireside chat. It feels more comfortable. It's not the, you know, the anesthetized sort of environment of a radio station as such. It's very much one-to-one a lot of the time, especially if you do this type of podcast. A lot of people get intimidated by doing interviews, conducting interviews. And the trick to being a great interviewer is being able to uh, be curious ask great questions, and then just listen. Like you really only need maybe three or four really good questions for a great interview. And then if you just listen and be curious, ask great follow-up questions, you'll have an amazing conversation. You'll get your guests to tell fantastic stories. And uh, next thing you know, you have a great interview. You're halfway through listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. My guest this week is Eric Johnson, podcast talent coach. Next, I wanted to ask Eric a little bit about family life and what inspired him to become interested in architecture and broadcasting. Uh, we grew up in the middle of America, in Omaha, Nebraska, right in the dead center of the country. And uh, my family had has been in this part of the country since they came over. My father's family... They're from Sweden, and my mother's side of the family are from Denmark. And uh, about two or three generations ago, they came over and landed here, kind of Nebraska, South Dakota, in that area. And we've just been in the area ever since, which is really interesting. When you get into radio, it's a very nomadic life. Uh, To move up in radio, you have a tendency to move from city to city and market to market, trying to claw your way up the ladder. Um, I spent... 30 years in radio and all 30 years were here in in Omaha and and Lincoln, like within an hour of each other. It's been fantastic. I don't really know how I got into architecture. I just always loved drawing, but my drawings were always um, very geometrical. I was going to say that. They weren't necessarily artistic. Like I wasn't drawing a horse. I couldn't draw a horse to save my life. But you know what? Drawing a really cool hexagon diagram that had a you know, multiple sides and three dimensions like that, that was my thing. So I loved doing that. And I was always good at math, and uh, but I was always good at music as well. And so sixth grade, seventh grade, I started uh, 
taking drafting classes and really started loving that. Next thing you know, I was I was a draftsman when I was in high school. I had a full-time job as a draftsman. I'd work 20 hours a week while in school. And then during the summers, I was working 40 hours a week. I was the only draftsman in the shop, like me and the owner. The The owner actually called the drafting teacher at the high school and said, hey, I need your best guy. And he came over and said, hey, I got a guy looking for a draftsman. Are you interested? And interestingly enough, two days before that phone call, I got fired from a record store. Oh, my. Uh, which was crazy. So... I'm in band in high school and uh, I'm working at the record store at night and on the weekends for the kids out there. Records are things you put on a record player before CDs, before MP3s. I'm at the record store. So one of the guys at the record store says, Hey, can you pull my shift on Friday night? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And this was like a month down the road. Hey, can you work on the 27th for me or whatever it was? I said, sure. Then all of a sudden, Uh, My band director says, hey, we're marching in a band contest uh, on Friday out of town. We're in the bus. We're heading out of town, marching in the contest, in the the competition. And so I go back to the guy and say, hey, uh, I can't work for you. And he goes, well, you have to because I got this wedding or whatever he was doing. And he goes, I can't work. And you already said you would. So you have to. And I said, well, I can't. And so I go to the, the manager of the store and I said, hey, I can't work on Friday night. I'm supposed to work for What's-His-Face and I can't now. And he goes, well, you either find somebody to work for you or you show up. And so I called everybody that worked at the store and everybody was either already working or they couldn't work. And so I called the manager back and I said, I can't come in. Um, I have to be at band and nobody will work. Will you work for me? And he goes, I don't work for anybody. Wow. <laughs> and I go, well... I can't work. So I called the assistant manager who was running the shop that night. And I said, I can't come in. I have band. And uh, he said, don't worry about it. We'll cover. Like we already got three people and it should, it should be fine. So I go into work on Sunday after my shift on Sunday, the manager calls me back and says, well, we're going to let you go. And, but he tells me he's firing me because of my lack of musical knowledge. Not because, not because I didn't show up on Friday night. Like fr- school had nothing to do with it. It was my lack of musical knowledge. And I'm like, really? Okay. All right. That's good. So I get fired on Sunday. On Tuesday, my drafting teacher comes over and says, hey, you want a job? So, and, and this was back in the 80s. So I'm making what? three thirty-five an hour at the record store. I get fired on Sunday. I go down and interview with the guy on Tuesday for the drafting gig and he offers me $6 an hour. So I double my pay by getting fired. How great is that, right? But that's so, that's life though, isn't it? It's it's very, it's this sort of a serendipity, I think they call it, isn't it? Where you kind of one door shuts, another one opens. And you have to be open to those opportunities, don't you? Absolutely. It's a bit like radio, isn't it? Radio's the same, you know, podcasting's the same. And when you see an opportunity, grab it. Well, and that's how I got into radio because I was working at a roller skating rink and where my brother worked, because he got me that job. I was a broke college kid. And so if we fast forward two years, I've, I've worked in the uh, drafting firm through high school. Now I'm a year into college. I work at the firm in college my freshman year. He closes shop and goes to work for somebody else. So I'm out of a gig. So I, I lose my gig. And my brother says, hey, they need help at the roller skating rink. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'm out of a job. I need a job. So I take that gig one of the guys that works there runs this little radio station, hires my brother, ends up calling the house looking for my brother because he needs some part-time weekend guys. And and he says, hey, is your, is your brother there? I need him to work this weekend. And I said, nope, not here. 
He said, are you interested in a job at the radio station? I need help. And I said, sure, I'm a broke college kid. I need some help. So I took the job at the radio station. He taught me how to run the board there. And that's how I fell into radio completely by accident. So I, I took um, broadcasting for the non-major as an elective for my architecture degree. Because I figured I'm already doing it. How hard can it possibly be? So I go and I take that class. That turns into me becoming the music director at the campus radio station. No way. That turns into getting a full-time job in radio in the in the town where I'm going to school. So I just finished my architecture degree and stayed in radio. It was just completely by accident. And uh, it's been phenomenal. It's funny how that happens. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, how everything lines up. But here, I want to give people a flavor, because um, this goes around the world. The podcast goes around the world. I want to give people a flavor of what radio was all about in the 80s in in America, you know, because was it still FM or was it AM based? Did it have a certain culture about it? Yeah. So in the 80s, that's when radio really started to change. So in the 80s, about the time right before I got into radio is when it started to change. But the rules were still um, you could only own one AM and one FM in a market. And you could only own, I think it was eight radio stations nationwide. So there were all kinds of mom and pop organizations that own and operated radio stations across the country. So in a mid-sized town, you might have 20 radio stations. And of those 20 radio stations, you might have 12 different owners of those radio stations. Well, The Telecommunications Act of 1986 in the United States, which broke up the Ma Bell, so it took uh, the Bell Company, Northwestern Bell, Southern Bell, all of those bells, and broke them up into individual companies and deregulated the telephone industry. That was the big thing. Well, there was a little part of that bill that also deregulated radio at the same time. And so you could own more than two radio stations. You could own up to a third of the radio stations in the market. Wow. Or six. Um, what It depended on the size of your market. In a mid-sized market, you could own up to six. In a big, big market, you could own up to eight. It depended how many radio stations were in the market. But you could own a, almost a third of the market. And so consolidation started happening. And all of these big companies started eating up all of the radio stations. So now in a market where there might've been 12 or 15 owners, there's now three. Ah, That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. And so it really changed and radio was going through a change as well. It started to become rather than the the on-air personalities, creating their own content, playing their own music and, uh, you know, entertaining and creating things. It became very prescribed. And so it was being, it, it became very laid out for them by, the management of the radio station. And it was more uh, do what you're told rather than create great content. And so the pendulum really swung because as they owned more radio stations and there were more people on the air, they were, it was harder to manage that whole team. And so they just started playing color by numbers rather than letting everybody be creative because they didn't have the bandwidth to manage all of those people. And then finally, the pendulum swung back a little bit and, and on-air people were able to be a little more creative and uh, because they figured that they found out that people aren't going to listen to radio that was homogenized in color by number. Unfortunately, we're swinging back to that again as people discover digital media sources like podcasting and 
uh, Pandora and Spotify and uh, YouTube and TikTok and all of the other entertainment avenues. Um, radio's really struggling to figure out how to uh, remain relevant and stay creative. And that's a really good point you bring us to because how much of the music culture and culture generally in America was created by radio in the classic years from the 1930s to the 1960s? What would your opinion be and perspective be on that? Oh, it, it was all radio. Like that is, that is where um, radio was discovered. If you go back to the 60s, even the 50s, you know, re- record promoters would have a trunk full of records and they would drive radio station to radio station and go in and sit down with the guy, the DJ who was on the air and say, Hey, I have this new buddy Holly record. Could you give it a spin? And uh, that's how they got the records played. And discovery was the big thing. That's what radio fights with today is discovery. Like radio still wants to be the discovery mechanism, but people are discovering music on their video games they're discovering new bands on TikTok and on YouTube and on Facebook and and Instagram and all of these other other ways. And today, to be a musician, to be an artist, to be a, a solo artist or a band, you don't need a record label and you don't need radio airplay to make a living, to be incredibly successful and broad and nationwide it sure helps to have the power of a record label behind you and the power of a radio station playing you. Like in the country music world, there are guys out of Texas or guys like Sturgill Simpson who don't get played on the radio but have sold out shows nationwide because people have discovered him online and he has a rabid, passionate following. Uh, Aaron Watson is much like that. Cody Johnson was like that until he got picked up by Warner Brothers. There are just artists like that now that are being discovered in a grassroots way. And that's a lot of what podcasting can do. People can discover your show and your personality and what you do in that grassroots way just by getting out and spreading your message and being who you are and being seen and and, uh, doing a little guerrilla marketing. You don't need a big book publisher behind you. You don't need a big radio station behind you. You don't need a lot of that. You can do a lot of it on your own. It takes a lot longer, a lot more legwork, a lot more elbow grease, but it's possible. I love that. You just took the words out of my mouth because you're almost at the point of the 1930s and 40s in AM radio in America. We've now got a slightly different medium and we still get the message out there in the same sort of way, can't we? In a very intimate, very personal, very niche way, can't we? Yeah, I think uh, I think podcasting was in the 30s, maybe five years ago or so. I think right now we're kind of in the 50s and 60s where guys with trunks full of records were going to get their songs played on the radio. That's kind of where we are now. Like you, you shoot an email and say, Hey David, would you interview me on your show? Like it's, it's that sort of thing. There isn't a large depository of podcast hosts. There isn't a, there isn't a directory, you know, it's not like I can pull up the TV guide to see what's on TV tonight. Um, You can't do that with a podcast. It's all still very, individualized. There's not a big network. There's not a big repository or directory where I can come and find everybody. I can find them if I want to see where uh, Tony Robbins was interviewed this week. I can't, I, I, I'd have to go Google that or I'd have to do a lot of searching to find that. So 
we're still in that 50s and 60s kind of radio era in podcasting where hosts can do whatever they want, but it's also a little more difficult to find, but it's a lot of individualistic creative content. And I like that because there's some opportunity, like you were saying earlier on, there's only 2 million registered podcasts. You know, half of them probably don't broadcast it that much. So the opportunity to create that niche, to create that market for yourself and for your guests it's totally doable, isn't it? It's totally doable. Absolutely. There's it. It's it's the wide open, wild, wild west. You can go create whatever you want, talk about whatever you want. Uh, a lot of people use their podcast to uh, promote their brick and mortar business, to promote their digital online business, to just talk about what they love. I was coaching a guy who has a Jeep podcast. They just talk about Jeeps. And uh, they're Jeep enthusiasts. They go to Jeep rallies and they just, on their podcast, they talk about Jeeps. That's what they do. Um, And he would love to figure out how to monetize it. And we've come up with some creative ways. But the point of the show is just to have fun talking about something they love. Okay, let's uh, circle back to your business then. So you've you've, clearly stretched it in a way that you can support people from inception to you know, getting a revenue out of the podcast. So if somebody is, say, along the the board like I was, you know, you've got all the stuff organized, we've got, you know, you're broadcasting, you've got maybe 30 podcasts in the can, you've been listening around the world, you've got seven listeners or whatever it is. What do you think they should be able to do with you in terms of taking it to the next level? What are the mechanics of getting there and how can you help them? We talked earlier about there are three struggles and challenges most podcasters face when they're trying to get a a launch a successful podcast. The first one was they get swallowed up by the tech and they get overwhelmed, which should not be something that holds you back. It's fairly easy. The second is to have a strategy and know where you're going and, and how to get there. But the third challenge is having someone to show you the way because we are inundated with information. There is information all over the internet. You can find information on anything you want to find information on. The information is not where you're lacking. It's the execution and the accountability. That's usually what's holding people back. They don't have a mentor who can take their hand and show them every step of the way. You can go figure out how to launch a podcast by watching a bunch of YouTube videos. The challenge is which ones are right and which ones fit your goals and aspirations and which ones should you watch and which ones should you ignore. If you have a mentor who can take your hand and walk you through all of that, it makes it so much easier. And that's a really great point you brought up because before I started my podcast, I spent three months researching all the different videos, trying to figure out which, you know, even my host to put my podcast on, which ended up being Podbean, but I had sort of a dozen different ones that I could choose from and I really didn't have a clue, you know. I was reliant upon the information that was out there. And I think what you do, and I, I can speak from experience here, is you foreshorten that length of time. So if it's going to take you three months, guess what? Within three weeks, you're going to have a good idea of what you're kind of doing. You've got to, yeah, <laughs> right. well, it's true though. I mean, I'm, like you've done that with me is I've got an idea in my mind. I know that you can say, well, guess what? We'll catch up next week. Here's a couple of key things you need to key in from this week and, and get that achieved. And you have a sense of achievement when you can bring that back to the table and say, Eric, guess what I did? I'm chuffed to bits. I'm over the moon, you know? And the thing is, it's great because it's focused, but also it's totally tangible and it's totally pragmatic. And that's what I really enjoy about what we do. There's that old saying, you can spend time or you can spend money. It's up to you. And so if you want to spend three months and figure it out, then by all means, have at it. That that webinar that I just did, uh, I show you exactly how to launch your podcast in, in 30 days. And you can follow that plan 
you may be able to get it done in 30 days if you if you understand all of the steps that are involved in actually getting up and running and, uh, you know, have at it. Or you can get involved with my podcast, Fast Blueprint, where I actually take your hand and walk you every step of the way. And in 30 days, your show is up and running. And then I show you how to monetize that and send you on the way. I point you in the right direction. So there are various ways to do that. Launching the podcast is the easy part. It's how do you fill it with content and how do you achieve the strategy that you want to achieve with the podcast? And that's what I love to do. I love to take podcasters, figure out what they're talking about on their show. How do they want to use it in an overall strategy, whether that's growing a business or um, I'm coaching a couple right now. They have an organization. It's a nonprofit organization, and they're using their podcast to promote the organization, to pr- promote the nonprofit, and get people to come and get their resources. They're a, a couple who are retired. You know, they've been in the industry for decades, and now you know they're just kicking back, and they they have started this nonprofit organization, and they just want to give back now, and they use their podcast to get people to the organization's website to download their resources and their material and use it to improve their lives. They're not out to make a ton of money; they just want to make an impact in the world. And I love being able to to take podcasters and help them achieve their goals by transforming their content into engaging entertainment so you can turn your podcast into that powerful, profitable relationship with your audience. You sum that up so well. And you gave a couple of options there. You know, there's a couple of ways that people can really get on your program. I mean, the first thing I was blown away with, you'll do a free consultation with them for 30 minutes. You'll have a chat with them. You'll basically say, you ask all those open questions, what you're trying to do. Sometimes people don't know, but you can give them the guiding hand. And what's lovely about it, I think, is you've structured it in such ways that if you're a person that really can't, you know, put out a lot of money on, we're not talking about a lot of money, but putting out, you know, watch your money straight away, you can do it incrementally. It's not a big issue, you know, at the end of the day, you've definitely, you've you sort of set up different structures, which I love. So maybe give a pe- people a kind of an idea of what's coming up in the pipeline and how they can maybe, you know, get you on board in a practical way. You bet. If you want to launch a podcast, my recommendation would be to go watch the the replay of the webinar that I just did. Um, it's up for a limited time and that's free. It'll show you how to launch the podcast. You can go over to the show notes and click that launch link right there and uh, that'll take you to the replay of that webinar. You can watch that. At the end of that webinar, I offer you the opportunity to join me in the Podcast Fast Blueprint. If you want to fast track it and get your show launched in 30 days and you want to join us to do that, those details are in there. But the the webinar itself will teach you how to launch your podcast. And so you can jump in at that. If you already have a podcast launch, um, but you can't figure out where to go with it, that uh, free call that David was talking about is a strategy call. Because that's what people lack is that clear strategy of how do I get from where I am today to where I want to go next year. And we we create that strategy right there on the call. It usually takes about 30 minutes and I lay it out. And I have plenty of free resources and uh, paid resources, uh, inexpensive, expensive. I don't know what works for you because I don't know where you are. That's what that strategy call is all about. We figure out where the holes are in your strategy. We lay out the strategy. I show you exactly what to do. I give you the information. If I have some tools and resources that 
might help you achieve those goals and and uh, reach your destination, then I'll direct you toward those. Um, it's not a high pressured sales pitch or anything like that. It's just you and me chatting. We lay out your strategy. If you want help implementing that strategy, we can surely talk about what that looks like. And you can find all of those details at podcasttalentcoach.com slash apply. And so if you go over there, all the details are right there. I can't help everybody, but I love talking to podcasters. So if you have a podcast, that would be ideal. If you don't know if a podcast is is right for you, watch that webinar. See what it takes to launch a podcast. If you're not sure it's right, then go apply for a strategy call. And we could talk about if a podcast makes sense for your business and, and what you're trying to accomplish. And here's what I love to that, that you did. And this totally comes from the heart. And this is what I think is one of your redeeming qualities is if somebody is not in a position where they can really afford to employ your services in a very direct way, like you say, you've got the free data, you've got the free information there, but also you are not adverse to giving people advice, especially people that have come to you many, many years ago. They're not subscribed to any type of, you know, kind of course with you, but you're still there available. And that blows me away because that to me is the genuineness that you don't see a lot in business. And that I think, I wholeheartedly would say it myself, is if I had a problem, I could ring you up in the middle of the week and say, Eric, help. I've got this person on the line here. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me out? Yeah, and that's lovely to have that reassurance that it's not just about the laid out times that you're available. You are available ongoing. And that to me is worth all the money in the world. It really is. Thanks. I appreciate that. That's 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 where I come from. Uh, and it's all about relationships. I love to help people. I, I figure, you know, I'm a big proponent of what Zig Ziglar teaches, that if you help, uh, you can have everything you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. I can't tell you how many times I've helped somebody and they never became a client, but somebody that they know uh, eventually becomes a client just because of the relationship that I've built. I'm all about meeting new people and building great relationships because, you know, if coaching doesn't make sense for everybody, I can't expect everybody to sign up for my course or hire me to be their coach because sometimes it doesn't make sense. And I'm going to tell you that if it doesn't make sense for you, like that's, this isn't the right program for you. What you need to do is go download my three free worksheets and fill those out, figure out where you want to go. And then let's talk about it. But I'm, I'm going to point you in the direction that you need to go in, not the direction that's going to line my pockets. It's all about relationships. Well, listen, I've only got a couple of questions to ask you. So we sort of just finish off on, on a really high note, actually. Well, there's two that basically say, OK, if you had your crystal ball right in front of you and you were looking at the future of podcasting, radio and communications and getting that message or that story out there, what do you see? The potential is on the horizon. What do you, where do you see it potentially going? I see podcasting only becoming bigger. I think it's going to to uh, fracture into two different camps. There's going to be the that big big money camp, like NPR in the United States, National Public Radio, large production companies. Um, that can put a lot of money behind it and then clutter it up with a whole bunch of ads like radio because they think it's just like radio. There will be that camp, right? It's very commercialized, very polished, looking to to create broad audiences. And then they'll sell it just like they sell radio through ad agencies and things like that. Then there will be that other camp that will still be very uh, entrepreneurial, 
um, will have much smaller audiences, but much more passionate audiences. They'll create those relationships and use podcasting in a much different way than those big companies do. So I think it'll it'll come into two different camps there. And I think there's room for both. I think the big companies who create podcasts like Stuff You Should Know or How Stuff Works or Serial from NPR or any of those, there's room for that sort of production and that sort of content. But there's also room for the guys who, you know, are recording it in their spare bedroom because they're running a solopreneur business online. So I think that's where podcasting is going. Radio... Radio needs to figure out another way to connect with the younger audience. And uh, right now they're trying to do it by hanging their hat on music. And I think that's a mistake. I still think radio is a great place to discover new music. I think if radio were to be a little more adventuresome and allow the on-air talent to embrace that new music and really bring it to light, I think they would be the discovery mechanism for the uh, the next generation. And then once people discover it on radio, they would go and binge it on their favorite app. They would discover a brand new artist on radio like uh, Walker Hayes on Country Radio or Lil Nas X on Top 40, fall in love with him, then go over to Spotify or Pandora or their music app of choice and binge it download everything they could ever find from that particular artist. I've done that myself. I find a new alternative band I love, and then I go realize they have three albums out already, and I go binge everything they have. Uh, But I've only heard their one song on the radio. And people always say, oh, they have so many more songs. How come radio only plays one of their songs? Well, because radio's broadcasting. It's for a broad audience. It's not for the super fan who wants to hear the sixth cut off of the the full-length album. So it's a much different medium. I think radio wants to be Spotify and Pandora, but they want to have the big audience at the same time. And they're two different platforms and two different types of media. So I think radio needs to find out how to be entertaining again and how to create those big personalities that are that are connected to the local market and provide things that Spotify and Pandora and YouTube can't provide. And that's talking about the football game on Friday night, or that's talking about the big pothole at 2nd and Main, or that's talking about the tornado that came through town over the weekend, and now we're trying to raise money to help people who don't have a house anymore. Pandora's not going to do that. Spotify's not going to do that. So... Radio needs to find that connection again. Yeah, you summed that up so, so well. I love the fact that you brought the local content into it because I think that's the key to it. It's going to be driven by people locally who make it interesting and make it, you know, organic for the local market. And and it's no problems having it bigger as well, but start from a great foundation locally. I think you're you're on the money there, absolutely on the money. Eric, it's been a, a real pleasure. I've got one more question to ask you, and uh, I ask everybody this. Um if you were 18 again, what would you tell yourself? Take more chances. Like, try things. I there, I didn't start skiing uh, until I was in college, and I fell in love with it. And I was like, man, why didn't I do this a lot earlier? I didn't start. I, I had an entrepreneurial spirit from the time I was a kid. I was I was selling Christmas cards door to door in middle school. I, I, I bought cases of gum at a white elephant sale and sold it out of my locker in junior high. And, um, 
you know, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but didn't take the leap to really start my own business like legitimately until just here recently. And I would do that much sooner, even as a side hustle. I would just take more chances and and um, just have faith. Like it'll, it's all going to work out. I got to tell you, when I was in my early twenties, it was tough. I grew up a, a, a single mom with with my brother and I. And my mom was making about 12 grand a year waiting tables. And uh, it was it was a rough life. Like, I didn't know it. My mom gave us everything we could ever want. It was, um, but, you know, we went to Disneyland once when I was a kid. We drove from Nebraska to Florida because my aunt lived in Florida. And we stayed with her. And then we drove down to Disney World for a day, slept in a camper. Uh, we told a camper behind our car so we could sleep at at the uh, campsites on the way down. Like that was our vacation. We loved it, but you know, it's, um, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. Uh, and I, I was using, I played hockey growing up and it was all used equipment. I didn't have my first new pair of skates until I was 15. I think every time I got a pair of skates, it was used. And so, um, it, I would just, if I was 18 again, I would say, you know what, it's going to be a rough, but, um, it's going to be worth it and just have faith because it'll all work out. You know, that's a really great story you just told at the end there because it's about having determination. And also, you didn't know you were poor necessarily at the time. You know, the fact that you had secondhand stuff, that, that that probably give you a hint. But what was lovely about it, look what you've created already out of it. Look, the family that you've got, where you are now, and the fact that you've got your business. So I think it was a success. I think you did okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you Thanks. Won. It was fun. I mean, the, uh, enjoy the ride. Cause, uh, you never know where it's going to, where it's going to take you and where it's going to turn. You might, you might start out an architect and end up interviewing Lady Gaga. Who knows? That's for another podcast. Don't go there yet. <laughs> there we are. Well, listen, Eric Johnson, podcast talent coach. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week on another track. It's been a sheer pleasure. It really has. David, uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. My guest this week was Eric Johnson, podcast talent coach, who's going to help you launch and monetize your podcast. Remember, there are more conversations coming up in this series. Just look out for On Another Track with me, David Wilson, on your local podcast platform and subscribe. This has been a BritCam production for Urban Aspect Incorporated. Keeping us safe on the roads of North America.